last seven weeks in a teaching series on the book of Acts, which is the story of the early Christian church. And um, what we have been looking at, we've been looking at Acts through two lenses, the lens of suffering and the lens of healing. These are two major themes that exist in, in the book of Acts. There's so much powerful content in the story of the early Christian church. But two things that kind of rise to the surface is these are followers of Christ and they're suffering. Suffering is a part of the journey of following Christ. It doesn't go away just because you're following Christ. And this becomes really evident um, in the story of the early church. But a second theme that emerges as you read the story of the early church is the theme of healing. In fact, early followers of Christ were known as healers. They were known as healers. And so you have this really powerful kind of suffering and yet healing, this engagement of brokenness with transformative healing through the power and the message of Jesus Christ. So we've called this series Wounded Healer, which is a reference to Jesus. Jesus is the wounded healer. And we're exploring how those of us who follow Jesus can also experience suffering and experience healing, and in so doing, we can be wounded healers too. We can engage this world with a perspective that is honest about our suffering. Doesn't say, oh, you know, it doesn't really happen. We don't, we don't need to ignore it. We don't need to, to deny it. There's brokenness in the world, and it affects all of us. And yet, we can engage this world with this triumphant message of healing. And we can do that with our words, and we can demonstrate that with our actions, right? So today, I'm honored to share a conversation with you, uh, with Eric Werner, um, many of you at Emmaus maybe haven't met Eric, but nearly everyone in our community has experienced your good work. So tell us a little bit about what you do and, um, and how we might, we might know you. Awesome. Well, first, yeah, thanks for having me out. This is an honor. Um, yeah, like Nate said, uh, my name's Eric, and I am the owner-operator of Diet Coffee Roasters. So if you guys have had coffee on a Sunday service, you've tasted mm -hmm. my work. Yeah, <laughs> literally. So, um, but yeah, that's me. Good. So um, Eric's got a son and a wife and might be leaving any minute now because he's about yeah. to have another kid. Yeah, maybe like tomorrow. Maybe we'll tomorrow. Yeah. But you know, we'll we see. might keep it short <laughs> just to be on the safe side. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Good. So this is a big season for you. I so appreciate your willingness to come and join with us. Absolutely. I heard Eric interviewed um, on the uh, Fatherhood podcast that Ned Shout um, puts out, and I just kept. Li I was interested because he roasts the coffee that we use, and I know that his company supports other meaningful organizations. And just the more I listened to his his comments, the more I thought, man, I this he's got some good stuff to say, and I'd love to share this with our community. Okay, so let's start with this, Eric. Just um, kind of pave the foundation for us. Tell us how you initially heard about Jesus, and became a follower of Jesus? Yeah. Um, I'll give the short version. Uh, but essentially, when... So my parents were Presbyterian mm -hmm. when I was little, so I got baptized as a baby. Okay. And then I went to... Uh, my parents ended up divorcing, and mm -hmm. then we went to a Catholic church for two years, and then I got baptized as a teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't meet Jesus until I was in my 20s. Okay. So... Um, my wife, Kayla, at the time we were dating, she invited me to a church, and it was the first time I'd heard somebody say, like, let's open up our Bibles, too. Really? And wow. they started, you know, teaching from the Bible uh, expositionally, and that was my first experience of, I guess, like, 
the Holy Spirit convicting me and speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I gave my life to the Lord when I was, I guess it was 20, 21. Mm-hmm. It was 2008, February 16th, 2009. Okay. Yeah, so on a Monday night. <laughs> really? Okay, so it was a very specific experience for you. Yeah. Um, do you remember any of the lead-in or the lead-up to that? Do you remember oh, any kind of, like, root emotion? Was it uh, a desperate need? Was it fascination with a bigger picture about life? Or what, where yeah. were you in that? And what, what caused you to say, I want a relationship with that man? So um, it's going to mess up our order of questions here. but well, Should we save it? No, no, it's great. Okay. It's perfect. Okay. Um, keep it natural. Um, so my parents divorced when I was seven. Okay. And then I had a stepdad in my life when I was nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really confusing and painful, and I didn't never was given the tools to work through the divorce, and mm-hmm. um, it was just a whole number of years of just a really challenging relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we can get into that more later. But okay. um, I was in a lot of pain. Okay. You know, um, probably in. in Probably I'd say even until about two years ago, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't have the tools to deal with it. Okay, good. And so going to this church, um, at the time I was dealing with a lot of that pain mm-hmm. by drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, I drink easily a 12-pack of beer a night and just okay. like pound it. And, mm-hmm. um, and Kayla and I were, were dating and she started inviting me to church. And um, I remember just... Every night before I went to bed, before I met Jesus, I would go to sleep crying because mm. I just felt alone, wow. like just completely alone. Yeah, um, a lot of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just I never would have told anybody that. Yeah. I put on a good face and yeah. went to school and did all you my were stuff. Functioning. Yeah, functioning. Yeah, for sure. Um, and um, I heard there were three. Three sermons, so it, it, three visits to church that, okay. that, that got the me. The third time took. Yeah. Yeah, right and on. And it was, uh, we were studying through First uh, Samuel, and it was the story about where Saul, um, he decides, like, he's not going to obey God, and he's just going to just kill all the bad stuff, but mm-hmm. keep the sheep and bring back uh, Agag, the king. Yeah, so okay. Saul's the first king of Israel, right. and he doesn't end well. And yeah. Samuel says to Saul, he's like, hey, God's not going to strive with you forever. And as the pastor was reading that, I was like, oh, okay, this mm. is real. Mm. And at the end of it, he was like, hey, if anybody is here tonight and, you know, you're struggling, you feel like you're struggling against God and God's, like, calling to you, mm. he loves you. Mm. And mm. he wants to walk, he wants you to walk with him. Yeah. And the way we do that is through faith in Jesus. And That's like, good. I remember I always quote this as the two times in my life that I was most scared is when, one, I gave my life to Jesus, uh-huh. and two, when I got married. <laughs> my <laughs> knees were shaking. Appropriately so. so. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Two, two massive commitments. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And also great gifts of grace. That's great. Okay. So uh, as, as you heard me explain, we've been talking about wounded healer. That's been the theme through which mm-hmm. we've looked at the last maybe seven or eight weeks in Acts. When you hear that phrase, wounded healer, uh, what comes to mind? Did, did that, you resonate with that in, in any way? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about the, um, any kind of pain that has characterized your life 
Um, you mentioned the divorce at seven. What else mm. would you add? Anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, there was um, there was a lot of uh, physical abuse and emotional abuse in my home really? with my stepdad, and mm. um, you know he wasn't. I, I don't think he was being malicious. I think he mm. was just like navigating life with mm. the tools that he had, wow. and his his upbringing was really rough. Mm. You know. Um, he, his his mom was schizophrenic, and he had to work when he was 12, and mm-hmm. his brother was constantly in jail, and it was just a mess. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't given any tools, so mm-hmm. he was doing the best that he had with the things that he had, but it was just transferred a lot of pain to me. Yeah. And, you know, our life was constantly tumultuous and um, stirred up. And then, you know, I was, I don't think I've ever said this, like, publicly, but um, I was molested when I was mm-hmm. eight. So that was really painful, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and so those kind of thing, those two things were massive, yeah. yeah. you know, that's a lot of stuff and that's I never dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so meeting Jesus is, um, in, re- in regards to being like having a wounded healer, you know, mm-hmm. um, I read some of the stuff that you wrote about that on the website, you mm-hmm. know, and who Jesus is and what he does for us and, yeah. um, you know, I look at the, the lives of early believers, and every one of them was broken. Right. Every single human is broken. Right. And I think it's um, really easy for us to, like, conceptualize that in a, in a cognitive sense. Mm-hmm. But on the emotional level, there's a lot that goes with it mm-hmm. that carries over into how we relate to one another. Mm-hmm. And um, being able to recognize our own brokenness and... I guess, like, walk in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's the specificity of our brokenness, I think, that makes it really difficult uh, to deal with. Like, mm-hmm. we're all fine with the idea that people are broken, that, that people have issues, that sin has affect the, affected the world, um, things aren't the way they're supposed to be. And we kind of go, yeah, that's right, that's the way it is. And then somebody has an actual specific problem or, mm-hmm. or, or wound or rough edge, and it's so hard for us to deal with them, mm-hmm. or we have a specific issue that's really turn something crooked inside us, yeah. and that's just where it becomes, I think, so so practically difficult to lean into uh, the reality, the, the big, broad reality, when it gets specific, yeah. and you're, you're talking about a place and a, and a time and a person, um, yeah, that's incredibly real. Yeah. That's when it gets real. Totally. Right? Yeah. And I think, like, it's important to note, you know, um, psychologically, when we experience trauma at a really young age, mm-hmm. and we aren't given the tools to navigate it, we shut off parts of our emotion. Yeah. And so for me, a big issue was confronting emotion mm-hmm. in general. And mm-hmm. um, some of my experience after being saved uh, in the church was there was a little bit of this sense of like, you know, don't trust your feelings. Your feelings are bad. Mm. And so I kind of just carried that with it. And I was like, I'm great at that. I don't trust my feelings <laughs> at all. You know, <laughs> So I don't, I don't listen to that. Yeah. I don't listen to my emotions. Yeah. But what I didn't know is that suppressing my emotions was creating a lot of underlying pressure sure. in, in my psyche and yeah. in how I operated. And yeah. that bled out in other ways, right. you know, so um, ended up causing a lot of pain. So, so how did you deal with, <clears throat> with the pain? Um, this is a part of your story that I think nearly everybody can resonate with at some level. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to hear anything you're willing to share about the ways you attempted to deal with this yeah. 
pain that was inside. Yeah. The stuff that this pressure that you've said was starting to bleed over. Mm. So uh, talk to us a little bit about your strategy <laughs> for dealing with your pain. Yeah, this was this was a really um, it was really confusing mm-hmm. in, in my life, you know, because I, I cognitively understood I believe in Jesus and I, you know, yeah. I, I trust him and I, I believe that he's covered my sin. Yeah. Um, but I was going to things that were damaging to have a pressure release. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was um, pornography. Mm-hmm. And that one particularly addressed um, some of the issues that I had of having been molested. Yeah. Like that met that need yeah. of feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm not this way, mm. you know. Um, and then mm. also when things got really stressful, like that was just an easy, I can do this, it'll feel good, and yeah. I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and as a believer, that was, that's really challenging to like do the math on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like beat myself up really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, carry, that started when I was 11. Okay. Um, so <laughs> uh, I remember my stepdad handing me a magazine and saying, mm. your, your wife will never make you happy, so you need this. And this is, you know, it was really messed wow. up. And again, that's something, that's his own thing. He was messed up. Yeah, yeah. But that just led me into that. And then um, oh my gosh. leading into my walk as a believer, yeah. um, it carried over for years. Mm-hmm. It carried over into my marriage, and it wasn't... Um, it wasn't something I told my wife about. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something I shared with anybody. Yeah. It's incredibly shameful and embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was one thing. Mm-hmm. Another thing was drinking. Mm-hmm. I drank a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. And it came in waves. Both of these things came in waves. It'd be like, you know, a month, two months, three months, totally good. I'm like, I got this. Yeah. And there'd be moments where, um, you know, I, I was serving in the church, which was really, that added another layer of confusion and I frustration. Bet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'd be at a, at a youth retreat, and the guy preaching, I remember there was this one instance where this uh, pastor was like, you know, I just, I just sense, like, the Holy Spirit telling me, like, there's somebody in here, there's a leader who, um, they're addicted to pornography, and, like, we just, I, I got to say this, like, God doesn't want to crush you. Like, mm. he doesn't want to crush you, but this is a warning shot. Wow. Sending a warning shot, like, change course. Wow. And that one, that moment was, I'll remember that, um, because I was like, that just hit me right in the Mm -hmm. chest. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, okay, like what, I didn't even know how to deal with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, pornography, alcohol, um, I think adrenaline, too. I Mm -hmm. was, I rode motorcycles, so Mm -hmm. I used to like ride pretty hard and get that adrenaline rush. But there were things that I did just to to cope with. Sure. um, Cope with the pain. I so appreciate your pointing out that, the, like, the math doesn't add up right, I think is the phrase you, you yeah. used. We were in a group on Monday night, mm-hmm. um, and, um, like, a discussion, and one of the people in the room was talking about a season of difficulty, and my 10-year-old was there, and he said, was this before you were a Christian or after you were a Christian? Mm-hmm. He's trying to figure it out, yeah. right? He's trying to kind of look at life with a... A perspective that says first there's brokenness then you meet Jesus and then there's healing and mm-hmm. to a degree I think that has just caught on for all of us yeah. and so then when we when we experience real life and it's messiness mm-hmm. and things are a little bit out of order and we're rescued but we're not fully 
healthy yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, it adds a complicated layer. Yeah. But it's, it's just, it's so sad to me because it's an additional tool of the enemy to lead us into pretending and acting like certain things are better than they actually are. And ultimately, it keeps us from being healed. Totally. Right? Uh, um, or fully saved, fully rescued from, mm-hmm. that, from that sense of the word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. And I think, you know, with that, a lot of that has to do with our culture, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that the American culture operates is put up a good face. Right. Make everything look good. And, yeah. And that's kind of the way we run. And that carries over into how we do church. Right. You know, right. Which is not healthy. Right. <laughs> right. It, but I agree with you. Yeah. The, the guiding uh, structure for American Christian worship has been this revivalist approach where you basically say, we've all got a problem, here's the solution, come forward, receive the solution, and then we're all better. Yeah. And um, I believe Jesus is the solution for all problems. He is the savior of the world. But I think that we have embraced structures um, and patterns that, that often lead to a not fully realized experience with Jesus because yeah. you've got this, well, like, I gave my life to Jesus, but I still am struggling with X, Y, and Z. Mm. And how does that work? Well, I'll just bury that. And then it just gets ugly, right? Because now you're yeah. burying it within a spiritual context. Totally. Yeah. So what are some of the steps that you took to move towards healing? You mentioned just a minute ago, uh, just a couple of years ago, you felt like yeah. you were still struggling at a significant le- level. Um, it makes me feel like something more recent has, has happened that's been helpful. Yeah. Um so the way that kind of rolled out, um, I'd been serving at our church for six years, and I was getting increasingly dissatisfied working there Okay. Um, for a number of reasons, but I think one of them, I just had this internal conflict where I was just struggling, like, who am I? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know? Um, and there were moments, there were, I absolutely believe that there were moments that the Lord chose to work through me and mm-hmm. bring fruit, you know, mm-hmm. but um, just in my own heart, I was just like a total mess, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, so I left, and my uh, training is in the kitchen, so I went and got a job at a kitchen, um, and at the same time, I'd started a business, so in 2014, we started this coffee business, Um, 2017, I left the church and went to work in a kitchen, and that's just like, like, I don't even know how to start in terms of intensity, but that's a really intense job to go okay. for ministry, yeah. which is very, like, polite, you know, <laughs> <laughs> okay. to the kitchen, which is just that kind of intense. full throttle. Yeah, okay. Um, so that did a lot, I think, in me in terms of it being just like a crucible. Yeah. Um, God turned up the heat in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I was working, uh, you know, 8 a.m. to 1, roasting coffee, and then I'd go from 2 to about 11 o'clock at night in the kitchen. I did that five, six days a week. Mm-hmm. For a year and a half. Wow. <clears throat> and, you know, our boy was, he was, gosh, I think he was two at the time. Okay. Um, you know, my wife was really struggling at home, and, and she was working as well. Um, and our relationship was just a mess. Mm. And um, I started, like, buying supplements to, like, sustain my body because I was, like, starting to crash. Wow. And so um, I had bought some supplement and hadn't communicated to her that I bought it, uh-huh. so I lied to her about it. Okay. And she's like, hey, you, you, you lied to me about this. It's 20 bucks, like, no big deal, but, like, why'd you lie to me about it? Yeah. Like, what's going on? And I was like, 
okay. And she goes, okay, so um, is there anything else like you're lying about? Mm. I was like, yeah, actually. Um, I never told you about this thing that I'm doing. I'm looking at pornography. Mm. And I'm doing this because actually this was two conversations. Mm -hmm. So three months later, I was like, yeah, by the way, I was got abused as a kid. Yeah. And like, I just was breaking down. Yeah. You know, and, wow. Um, it was a really messy part of our relationship. It yeah. was really hard, really mm -hmm. painful. Um, and so through that, um, there was the confession. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to p put things back together and just figure out how to do life together. Yeah. And um, she was like, hey, you know, I really think you need therapy. I really think you need to go to therapy. And I was like, okay, okay. And I was meeting with... Um, uh, one of my friends who's a pastor weekly and just talking like mm -hmm. he's like hey how's your marriage going how's things going mm -hmm. but it wasn't really getting a lot of traction yeah um, and she's like I really think you need therapy I think you need therapy Eric so she was like forget it I'm gonna go to therapy <laughs> and so she went to therapy connected me with a guy and I started talking with him and I just told him everything that wow. had happened in my life yeah um, and so he started walking with me through just looking at what I was believing was like true and normal. Um, There's a lot that I grew up with where I just thought, oh, this is how everybody has it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, that's not, that's not loving. Like yeah. that's not fatherly love. Yeah. Um, you know, and just putting pins and things. Yeah. Um, in the sense of like painting the picture of what my life really was and mm -hmm. starting to see it with honesty. Yeah. Um, and through that, I was able to understand like why I did what I did and why mm -hmm. I was hurting so much right. and like um, why I would go to these things mm -hmm. when life got really hard. Yeah. Um, so that went through a process, and then uh, we couldn't afford therapy anymore. So he's like, "Hey, get this book," um, and it's this book called I, uh, "Self Therapy." It uses this model called IFS, which if you've seen the movie Inside Out that is a take on the IFS psychotherapy model. Okay. Um, and that's just a tool to help you kind of reparent yourself because mm. essentially when we have trauma, our brains fragment parts mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we isolate things. Kind of like if you get a wound mm -hmm. or if you get something in your body, your body creates a cyst around it. Mm -hmm. So in a psychological sense, we create these protections yeah. around pain. Yeah. Um, and so learning how to get break through those, mm -hmm. how to allow the, myself to heal through the pain yeah. and develop new, essentially, I had to develop from a 7-year-old right. <laughs> in a 30-year-old's yeah. 30 body up yeah. to 30. Yeah. So that was a... Wow. So you have mentioned, in terms of tools or mm -hmm. steps towards healing, you've mentioned a, a, like a point of kind of crisis, mm -hmm. uh, working all the time, um, a, a confession um, a full confession, mm -hmm. uh, accountability, mm -hmm. focused therapy mm -hmm. that helped you name things the right way, yeah. right? This isn't true. You, you experience this, but this isn't coming from a true place. This is false. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, this book that enables, has helped you, I guess, further kind of re-narrate yeah. the stories of your past. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty, I, I don't want to take up too much time with that. It's a pretty complicated yeah. system. But yeah. um, in short, 
we have responses mm -hmm. to things in our life. So mm -hmm. let's say there's a there's a conflict. I'm going to respond to that conflict with a, a particular way. Yeah. And so the IFS model calls that presentation of myself a part. Okay. And we all have parts. Um, like the little angry dude yeah. and the mopey girl and yeah. So essentially like one of those guys takes over the controls. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so IFS allows you to engage with the part. Yeah while staying in yourself, okay. rather than letting that part take over. Interesting. And so you begin to um, figure out why it's there. Okay. And when you ask why it's there, it helps you to see what the pain is. Yeah. And when you see what the pain is, then you can allow yourself to feel the pain. Right. So it's another level of internal confession. Yeah. You know? yeah. So confession is like, hey, here's all this stuff that happened. Yeah. yeah. Here's all this stuff that I did. But when you continue in that, you're able to call things what they really are. Um, and I thought there's a book that I'm reading too. It's uh, Pete Scazzaro's um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Yeah, it's a and great book. There's a part in there where he talks about, um, he says, you know, the way we relate to people, we can relate to people as I, it, or I, thou. Hmm. So an I, thou relationship is a way that's healthy. We respect each other as, you know, humans, as yeah. fellow creations. Yeah. But a lot of times, we don't realize that we see people as things mm -hmm. that we can use, or we relate to people as things that are, you know, good or bad. Yeah. Or it, essentially, it's dehumanizing right. one another. Right. Um, and when we do that, mm -hmm. uh, real quick parenthetically, when, we, when a part is activated, when you're operating out of trauma, mm -hmm. you relate to people as it's, as things to be avoided. Okay. Um, and so when we go into that space of processing, we're no longer living in reality. Yeah. We're living in a space that's in our imagination, yeah. kind of. Yeah. You know, we're not operating in the here and now, in the yeah. real. And what I love in that book is he says, when we go to that place, we're in a place where God does not exist hmm. because God only exists in what is real. Right. He doesn't exist in this imagined world right. that we run in. That's so good. And so it's, in a way, it's like... Um, Almost, you could call it like functional, functional atheism. Yeah, you know, right? Yeah, practically uh, speaking. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I thought that was really, really That's cool. fantastic. Good. Uh, two more questions. You, there's on your on your coffee bags on your website. There's a lot of use of the word excellent, mm -hmm. which is a pretty common word in our culture. But I heard you speak about you have a really powerful insight about excellence as it relates to your own healing. Um, so can, can you talk to us just for a minute about, because you've been doing all this work, mm -hmm. right, to, to grow and to heal, yeah. and there's this pursuit of excellence that characterizes at least your professional life, but I know it also characterizes your personal life. So talk to us about this pursuit of excellence, especially in light of this idea of perfection mm. that also exists out there. Yeah, that's a good question. Um. So excellence, I don't know where we got this idea. I know um, Kayla, my wife, shared this, this quote for me. It's from this lady named Maya Angelou. The poet? The poet, yeah. Uh -huh. She says, uh, do the best that you can until you know better. And when you know better, do better. Hmm. And so we kind of took that and used it as our definition of excellence. Okay. So in everything that we do, um, and I, I thought this was so great, you know, for for Christians, yeah. there's a lot we don't know. There's right. a lot we don't know how to navigate. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, but, it, you know, in regards to the workplace, I guess we're doing the best with what we've got. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have crazy lab equipment. We don't have a crazy roaster. We just have the tools that we have. Yeah. We're going to do the best that we can with that yeah. until we find a better way. Um, and in my personal life, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think at the start of this transformation three years ago, that was a really powerful tool for me to, to say, like, okay, like, I don't know this, mm -hmm. but I'm going to take what I do know and walk with it and navigate through it. And as I learn more, as I learn, um, I'll apply those things. Yeah. Um, one of my one of my staff was super gracious uh, throughout the year that she was working for us. She was constantly like, "Well, you know what? It's not a failure. Like, it's okay. Like, we learn from making mistakes. Yeah, we learn from making mistakes. Yeah. So, if you mess up, learn from it and do better the next mm -hmm. time." Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I think as a in my own life, that was something where I would just collapse. You know, mm -hmm. if anything went wrong, I would just collapse because it's not perfect. Yeah, right? it wasn't it's perfect. Yeah. And so, um, so often I think we strive for perfection, mm -hmm. um, and honestly, perfection is unattainable in mm -hmm. this world. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I don't think that we can make something truly perfect. Yeah, in the sense that it's flawless. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're people and we're broken and mm -hmm. messed up, but we get mended, but yeah. there's still the scar from it. Right. And anything that we touch is going to leave the imprint of that mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. So, um, that idea of excellence being a continually striving for something better, mm -hmm. um, striving for improvement, yeah, um, and giving myself permission mm -hmm. to like not be perfect, but yeah. to be striving yeah. for better. That's good. To be excellent. Yeah, doing the best you can. What is the Angelou quote? Doing the best you can until you know better. Yeah, and when you know better, do better. Do better. Yeah, that's good. Good. Yeah. All right. Last question. Let's root this in a story. Um, I love the name. I love names of companies. I th and and any. I love names of children. I love the whole process. Mm. Um, you chose this word "valiant" for your coffee company. Can you explain a little bit about where that word came from and uh, kind of lead leave us with that, that story? Yeah. Um, from the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, so we spent a lot of time on the name, and um, my business partner Luke and I were both uh, 33. Uh, my middle name's David, so I'm Eric David. Okay. And his name, his first name is Jonathan. Oh, okay. Middle name Luke, but he goes by Luke. So both of our, the names that we don't use, David and Jonathan, mm -hmm. kind of coincide with these uh, biblical characters. Yeah, this famous friendship. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, David and jo Jonathan was the son of Saul, who was mm -hmm. the first king of Israel. Um, David was anointed king after Saul's failure, but he wasn't coronated until many years later. Mm -hmm. Um, but David and Jonathan were fast friends. Right. They met, they were buds, they connected, and yeah. it was just like this sweet brotherly friendship. Yeah. And my friend Luke and I, it was that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We were serving in the church, we connected, mm -hmm. we both kind of had the same upbringing, um, and it was just like, we were like, all right, we're friends, you know? That's good. And as we were thinking about a name, um, we had a bunch of silly ideas, you know, for coffee stuff, and then I, I think, it, I want to give it to Kayla. Uh -huh. She was... I think she was the one that was like, well, what about Valiant? We're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's cool, you know? Yeah. And so uh, we, we were looking through stuff in the Bible, and, uh, you know, the story of David as it goes is um, he's serving Saul, and then uh, he has this spirit that's 
tormenting him, mm -hmm. and he goes into fits of rage and tries to kill David. David runs away, uh, but him and Jonathan are buds. So David runs away to this cave uh, called the Cave of Agilom, and while he's there, his parents come to him, and anybody who's broken, anybody who is stressed or in debt or just totally messed up. They gather around David. They gather around David. Yeah. And they begin this 16-year journey just going all over Israel, mm -hmm. uh, through the land of the Philistines, all over. And at the end of that journey, at David's coronation, these guys are listed as David's mighty men of valor. Mm. Um, and it's just, I love that because mm -hmm. you have all these people who are broken and messed up. Yeah. And yeah. through the course of just life, God prepares them to be David's guard, to be mm -hmm. his mighty men. Yeah. Um, and I just see that, I see that as like the church, you know. Mm -hmm. We're all broken, we're all messed up. And as we yeah. follow King Jesus, we, he, he prepares us, he takes off right. those outer layers. He and it's a continual process. Right, it's not right. a quick, we think, you know. Not a quick fix. We get saved and then, mm -hmm. you know, one and done. But right. it's it's a process. Right. You know, 16 years for David's men. Yeah. Paul, when he gets saved, 13 years in the wilderness. Yeah. You know, it's yep. a long time. Mm -hmm. um, Elijah at the at the brook Kareth, which means uh, uh, to whittle. Mm. Kareth means to whittle. Really? And so yeah. it's, you know, in the culinary world, I just took that and was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, a paring knife, you know. Yeah. So just taking off that outer layer yeah. to get something ready to be used, mm -hmm. um, ready for service. So, so good. Super cool. I love that. So good. Yeah. So the outcast, the vulnerable, the hurting, mm. recognize the purity or the character of David circle around the true king, even though he's not crowned king. And uh, at the end of that story, these are the mighty men. These mm -hmm. are David's men of valor. Yeah. He's right. So good. So good. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Can I share personally? One, yeah. One more thing. Yes. Um, and I was just before I came up, I was like, I was meditating on this during the song. But there's been this thing uh, two of my friends have kind of spoken over me um, as I've been going through this like healing process. Yeah. And it's been really powerful. Mm -hmm. And one of them, he just like put it, posed it as a question, and he was like. He's like, do you know that the Lord's pleased with you? Hmm. Like, regardless of everything that's gone on, like, God's pleased with you. Mm -hmm. And that just, like, it brought me to tears. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. God is, like, he loves us so much, you know. Right. And he's pleased with us. Mm -hmm. Because of what Jesus has done, he's able to right. enter into relationship. We're able to enter into relationship with him. But, like, God's pleased with us, mm -hmm. you know. And I know, like, this stuff is really heavy and really powerful. It and, is. And, like, it is. I know there are people that are probably really struggling. Yeah. Um, if it's okay, if I could just, like, if you're struggling with alcohol or pornography or uh, drugs, maybe. Yeah. That it's, like, it feels really heavy. Yeah. And it feels really nasty. Yeah. But, like, if you believe in Jesus, like, he's pleased with you. And mm -hmm. he provides a way. Amen. You know? Right. Like, so... Right. No. Felt like I needed to say I'm that. I'm glad that you said that. I really, really appreciate you saying that. I think, you know, this, uh, we've been in this coronavirus season for 20 weeks, mm -hmm. um, and uh, a lot of businesses are really taking a hit. Alcohol sales and pornography sales are not among the businesses taking a hit. The, the use mm -hmm. of medication for um, our stress, our brokenness, is on, is on a massive rise. And 
I just think we're foolish to not recognize that. Mm -hmm. And my hope would be that if anyone <coughs> who's watching um, feels like I know this is gr this this misguided affection is is uh, taking a bigger role in my life. It's got it's getting worse. In other words, mm -hmm. um, then I just want to invite you to reach out for help. And the first step is confession, right? Yeah. Just saying I need help. Um, this is what's actually happening. So if that's you today, I want to encourage you mm -hmm. to text or to email Rich or I. Uh, Angela's out this week, but Nathan at EmmausCommunity.org, Rich at EmmausCommunity.org, or someone else that you trust and text them right now. I want to challenge you to text them right now. Before you justify to yourself in the next hour that you really don't need help, if you know that this isn't, you're not in a healthy place with this or this or this, then... Um, I appreciate your word and want to encourage people to act on it, not, for, not before a God who says, I want to crush you, mm -hmm. but before a God who, like you said, is pleased with you, loves you, mm -hmm. right, and wants to see your wholeness. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. I appreciate that so much. Good. Well, let's pray together. Thank you, Eric, for sharing. Mm -hmm. We're grateful, Lord, for your goodness. We're grateful for the power that you have to overcome sin. I know that so many of the things that hinder us, that uh, addict us, that, that um, cause us pain, really are rooted in uh, being offended by others or in believing something that's not true. This is not who we are. And yet we, we become so connected with what we go to for help that it, it identifies us. And I just pray that your truth would break through the lies and that you would uh, that you'd breathe health into your church and that you'd give us the grace to walk alongside one another in, in holiness and in love. God, bless those who have heard Eric's story this morning. And may, may we get free from things that have hindered us for a long time. Um, give us the courage we need to reach out for help. We pray for your grace and an assurance of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.